Good morning, and welcome to 5 at 8. It's Friday, August 4th, 2023, and with me, here is Linda Carlisle. I'm Mark Overman, and here are the day's top stories. In this episode, we will talk about the impending verdict facing Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny, the removal of tariffs on Australian barley by China, Ukraine's invisible battle against Russian weapons through electronic warfare, the mesmerizing images captured by the James Webb Space Telescope, and the discovery of a bacteria that can prevent the transmission of malaria. Stay tuned for all the news of the day. Story number one. According to the BBC, Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny is facing an impending verdict in a high-security prison that could result in an extension of his already nine-year sentence. Navalny is charged with creating an extremist organization and financing extremist activities, with prosecutors calling for a 20-year prison sentence. The trial has been held behind closed doors in a remote location to avoid publicity. Navalny, known for exposing corruption and mobilizing anti-Putin protests, has been the target of multiple politically motivated cases. The Kremlin views him as a threat and seeks to remove potential rivals to President Vladimir Putin. The regime's crackdown extends beyond pro-democracy figures, as seen with the recent arrest of Russian nationalist Igor Gherkin on extremism charges. The authoritarian regime aims to control and suppress any form of resistance or alternative leadership. Could you believe that, Linda? Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader, is facing another verdict that could potentially add decades to his time behind bars. It's a clear message from Putin's regime. Dissent will not be tolerated. Well, Mark, it's a complex situation. While I agree that the charges against Navalny appear politically motivated, it's also important to consider the wider context. Navalny's anti-corruption investigations and his ability to mobilize public protests have understandably rattled the Kremlin, but we can't ignore the fact that he's also been accused of creating an extremist organization. I get that, Linda, but isn't it a bit, uh, extreme to hold his trial in a high-security prison? To me, that's a blatant attempt to control the narrative and keep Navalny away from the public eye. That's one way to look at it, Mark. But isn't it also possible that the Russian authorities are genuinely concerned about the potential for unrest? Navalny has proven himself to be a charismatic and influential figure, capable of rallying the masses. Their actions could be seen as an attempt to maintain stability in an already tense political climate. Linda, with all due respect, I think you're missing the point here. The Kremlin's relentless pursuit of Navalny and others like Igor Gherkin is a stark reminder of their intolerance towards any form of opposition. It's not about maintaining stability. It's about suppressing dissent and preserving their own power. I see where you're coming from, Mark. However, it's crucial to remember that every country has its own way of dealing with opposition. We may find Russia's methods extreme, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're ineffective or unjust. We need to stay objective and refrain from imposing our Western perspective on a vastly different political landscape. Linda, let me jump in here. I'm all for cultural relativism, but there are certain universal principles that we should all abide by. Freedom of speech, political freedom, and the right to a fair trial. Navalny's case, as far as I can see, violates all of these principles. That's not imposing a Western perspective. That's standing up for human rights. Story number two. China has agreed to remove the 80% tariffs on Australian barley, marking a significant step in easing trade tensions between the two countries. According to The Guardian, 
The tariffs were imposed in 2020 and led to a lengthy challenge by Australia through the World Trade Organization. China's Commerce Ministry has reported that it is no longer necessary to continue imposing anti-dumping duties and countervailing duties on imported Australian barley. The decision, as stated by The Guardian, is expected to take effect from the 5th of August and will provide relief to barley producers and Australian wine exporters, who are also facing hefty tariffs from China. It's quite a breakthrough, isn't it, Linda? China deciding to lift the 80% tariffs on Australian barley. This should be a huge relief for barley producers and also for Australian wine exporters. It's a classic example of diplomacy at work, don't you think? It's definitely a major win for Canberra. The tariffs were originally imposed in 2020 amid heightened tensions and led to a lengthy challenge by Australia through the World Trade Organization. This decision by China is a testament to the power of international bodies like the WTO in facilitating important conversations and negotiations. Right. And it's fascinating how the Australian government agreed to suspend the WTO challenge against the barley tariffs in return for China agreeing to review them within a few months. Talk about strategic maneuvering, eh? And it's interesting to note that the Australian government was confident that the WTO panel would decide that these measures were not justified if China's review didn't conclude with a decision to scrap the tariffs. This shows the faith that countries place in these international bodies to maintain a fair and balanced global trade system. And that's not all, right? The tariffs on Australian wine are also subject to a nearly completed WTO challenge. Looks like the resolution of the barley dispute could potentially be a template for wine, too. What are your thoughts, Linda? Yes, Mark. Penny Wong and Don Farrell, Australia's foreign affairs and trade ministers, had previously indicated their hopes for the same. If that happens, it would be another significant example of how diplomacy and international trade organizations can play a crucial role in easing tensions and conflicts. It's not just about resolving trade disputes, but also about setting precedents for future negotiations. Story number three. According to the BBC, Ukraine's electronic warfare units are engaged in an invisible battle against Russian weapons. These units are responsible for detecting electronic signals from various Russian weapons, including drones, air defense systems, jammers, artillery, and rocket launchers. They then pass on the coordinates of these signals to other units for targeting and destruction. Electronic warfare plays a crucial role in modern warfare, as most weapons rely on radio waves, microwaves, or other frequencies for data transmission. Russia has developed advanced jamming technology, including systems that target airborne and air defense radars, suppress satellite signals, and jam cellular and radio communications. However, Ukraine has been successful in countering these Russian electronic warfare systems, shooting down Russian jets and maintaining communications during the conflict. Russia has learned from its initial failures and is now deploying smaller, more mobile electronic warfare units along the front lines. These units are equipped with devices that can jam GPS and satellite links, disabling drones and disrupting the accuracy of guided munitions. Both sides are engaged in a constant competition of developing countermeasures against each other's jamming techniques. Ukraine, as reported by the BBC, has been actively targeting and destroying Russian electronic warfare systems to maintain its military advantage. Might seem counterintuitive, but I think we're seeing a real shift here. The war of the future isn't going to be fought solely on the ground with tanks and soldiers, but in the digital realm. We're talking cyber warfare, electronic jamming, signal interception. The works. This article proves it. 
Ukraine is fighting back against Russia not just with bullets, but with bits and bytes. Well, Mark, I wouldn't deny the significance of technology in modern warfare, but I don't believe we can entirely dismiss traditional warfare tactics. We're talking about real people, real lives at stake here. It's not just about who has the most advanced tech, but also about strategies, human ingenuity and courage, wouldn't you agree? Sure, Linda. I'm not saying that human elements are irrelevant. But let's face it, the more technologically advanced side has a significant advantage. Just look at how Ukraine's electronic warfare units are disrupting Russia's military operations. It's a game-changer! Yes, but this reliance on technology also has its downsides. For instance, what happens when these electronic warfare systems are compromised or fail? It could lead to disastrous results. And let's not forget the ethical implications of cyber warfare. I get your point, Linda. Yet I believe that technology, when used responsibly, can actually minimize human casualties. Think about it. If we can neutralize threats from a distance using advanced tech, isn't that a better alternative to putting human lives directly in harm's way? Ideally, yes, Mark. But it's not always so cut and dry. And let's not forget, even in this digital age of warfare, we still need people to interpret data, make strategic decisions, and yes, even to fight. So while technology is important, we can't afford to lose focus on the human aspect. Story number four. The James Webb Space Telescope has captured mesmerizing images of the end stages of a dying star's life, as reported by the BBC. The images show intricate details of a glowing gas structure called the Ring Nebula, which was formed when a dying star expelled its outer layers into space. The images provide valuable insights into the life cycles of stars and reveal the inner region around the central white dwarf with unprecedented clarity. Scientists believe that studying the Ring Nebula can help them understand how planetary nebulae form and evolve. The images have amazed researchers as they offer a level of detail better than ever seen before. How incredible is the James Webb Space Telescope, huh? It's like we've got front row seats to the cosmic ballet watching the final bow of a dying star. The level of detail is simply mind-blowing. Absolutely. It's fascinating to think that we're witnessing the end stages of a star's life with such clarity. It's as if we're getting a sneak peek into our sun's distant future. It truly gives you a sense of the grandeur and scale of the universe. Yeah, it's... It's humbling, really. Makes you realize how tiny we are in the grand scheme of things. But on the flip side, it's incredible to think about human ingenuity. You know, we've built this technology that allows us to look 2,600 light years away and see these, these beautiful, almost ethereal images. It's a testament to the power of science and technology. However, it's also a reminder of the responsibility we have in using these tools ethically and sustainably. As we continue to push the boundaries of our knowledge and capabilities, we must be mindful of the impact of our actions, both on Earth and in space. We can't lose sight of the big picture. And speaking of big pictures, the images captured by the JWST are not just stunning to look at, they also have the potential to revolutionize our understanding of the life cycles of stars. It's an exciting time to be alive, if you ask me. These findings could challenge and improve our existing theories about the cosmos. But they also raise existential questions and prompt us to reflect on our place in the universe. It's a fascinating intersection of science and philosophy. Story number five. 
In a report from the BBC, scientists have discovered a naturally occurring strain of bacteria that can prevent the transmission of malaria from mosquitoes to humans. The bacteria, known as TC1, was found by chance after a colony of mosquitoes being used for drug development did not develop the malaria parasite. Further studies revealed that TC1 secretes a molecule called harmane, which inhibits the early stages of the malaria parasite's growth in the mosquito's gut. Trials are now being conducted to assess the effectiveness and safety of using harmane at scale in the real world. Malaria kills approximately 600,000 people each year, and this discovery offers a potential new tool in the fight against the disease. Might just be me, Linda, but it seems like some of the biggest breakthroughs in science happen by pure luck, doesn't it? This recent discovery about the naturally occurring bacteria that blocks malaria transmission, for example, was stumbled upon by complete chance. How significant is this finding in the grand scheme of things? Serendipity plays a bigger role in scientific discovery than many of us realize. As for this discovery, it's potentially game-changing. Malaria, as we know, kills about 620,000 people a year, often children under the age of five. This specific strain of bacteria, called TC1, can reduce a mosquito's parasite load by up to 73%. It's a significant leap forward in our fight against this disease. Wow, a 73% reduction, that's... that's huge! But, uh, how does this bacteria actually inhibit the malaria parasite? Is it safe for the environment and, you know, for us? Great questions, Mark. The bacteria works by secreting a molecule known as harmane, which inhibits the early stages of the malaria parasite growing in the mosquito's gut. As for safety, that's what the ongoing trials in Burkina Faso are for. They're assessing how effective and safe it would be to use Harmane at scale in real-world scenarios. So, if these trials go well, we could possibly see this bacteria being used as a new weapon in our arsenal against malaria. It's amazing how nature sometimes provides the best solutions, isn't it? But what about vaccines? I've heard some have been developed. Yes, Mark. Vaccines have indeed been developed, and they're in the early stages of being rolled out in Africa. However, the fight against malaria is multifaceted. We need multiple strategies to combat this disease effectively. This bacteria-based intervention could be another tool in our box, complementing the use of vaccines and other preventative measures. Well, that's fantastic to hear. The more tools we have to fight this disease, the better. It's encouraging to see how much progress we're making, and I'm hopeful that we'll see the day when malaria is no longer a major threat to global health. With continued research, innovation, and a bit of luck, we're getting closer to that goal day by day. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.